The mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by Aces Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire. I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. Today, we're going to talk about weight room efficiency. Uh, We want to kind of keep this conversational, um, although I do have some outlines and stuff, but we want it to be uh, as much as enjoyable for you, informational, uh, or provide a lot of education for you. For those of you that don't know, Zach is an interior designer as a side (laughs) hustle. (laughs) So if you need your weight room redesigned, hit us up. Yeah, definitely not in a house setting, but um, I love to... I just love to find better solutions for weight rooms because in my career as a collegiate strength coach, you know, it was something that was necessary um, throughout throughout the year. You know, I remember my first year I got there and it was like, we've got these pieces of equipment that are either broken or mm-hmm. just like unnecessary towards the training philosophy that I had. So got rid of equipment like immediately and that creates space, right? And mm-hmm. then that's more what you want is more functional space. Um, and I think for what we had, um, at the D2 level is like, Hey, we wanted to be able to use this space instead of having this giant leg press over there, which I didn't necessarily, I don't necessarily want to have to use a leg press unless yeah. you're coming back from injury. But in that case, I'd rather have like a pit shark or a belt squat machine. Yeah. I think that's a lot better because if you're a gravity-based sport, you need to get used to using gravity as part of the resistance there. Yeah. I think there's just a lot to be said about just the environment too, about lifting. And I think it can, if it's super chaotic and there's a lot going on and there's things in the space everywhere, it can just be a little off-putting to athletes. So I think there's a lot to be said too about just having like a space be inviting and kind of welcoming Mm. in that sense too, because especially from what we've mentioned in the past before, a lot of times, and this is not all the time, but a lot of times more often than not, male athletes are kind of used to weight rooms a little bit more than female athletes are. And if they're walking into a weight room for the first time and they're the D1 level and it's like this huge thing with all this equipment and it's geared towards football, then sometimes that can not be a very fun place for, for them to be. Are you talking about Florida State? In uh, not, not in particular, <laughs> but um, I mean, I guess you could use that, that as an example. Like there were some machines, you know, like the neck machine things and They whatever. don't use those in cross country? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, that can like be intimidating. And, and even as um, – like somebody that worked there too, obviously I'm not a strength and conditioning coach, but you could tell that there were things in that space that only a small percentage of the athletic department used. And it just seemed like a big waste of space. Right. And and also tell us how many of those neck machines were present in the weight room? At least four. Okay. So maybe got, five. All right. So you've got four or five and how many people were typically on the football team? Uh, Probably 90. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Above 80, right? So like that's even a really small percentage of people within that team lift that can use that machine at once, right? right? And they didn't use it every lift. Right, exactly. So, I mean, obviously we're talking uh, high school level, lower budgets, right? Like those things would just be unnecessary. Mm -hmm. 
not to plug ourselves here, but we do have some good options for neck strength exercises <laughs> oh, yeah. on our Connect app that Claire and I uh, were able to do video demonstrations for. So, um, yeah, that's great too. But I, I agree. Like sometimes, sometimes I think people just have equipment in there because it, it looks good or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or you know they want to be able to. Maybe it's a. Um, it's a booster opportunity or recruiting tool, right? I was going to say recruiting. Yeah, when yeah. you look at those big programs, right. if the weight room is not up to par, mm-hmm. recruits look at that there. as yeah, don't I don't, there. it's not the best. It's not state of the art. I don't want to go there. And right. to an extent, I understand. Like if you see, you know, these kids at Alabama and Clemson and, you know, wherever else they have these amazing facilities and you're like, well, I don't want this facility that's 10 12 years old that looks like crap mm-hmm. I, I get it to an extent but like you can still make it look nice but not have it be so unfunctional or just geared to one specific group of people right 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 um just a side note for you know kids going into the uh, uh, recruiting process as well if you're a sport that you know is going to be involved, if you're going to a school that has a strength conditioning coach and you're going to be involved with that coach quite a bit during your recruiting process, like maybe when you're on campus or something mm-hmm. like that, like get to know that person or at least just meet them once so you can get a feel for whether or not that that person is um you know is, is somebody that you feel like you're going to connect with. I mean, mm-hmm. like don't base your whole you know decision on, on that person, coach, but like. Yeah. If your team is going to be doing strength and conditioning with that person and that person is not like a GA or something who could change in a couple of years, mm-hmm. that's gonna, they're going to be a big part of your experience, you know, yeah. so you, you should get to know them. I mean, uh, that was something that I was very fortunate to have, like going to like a spring spring football games when I was mm-hmm. getting recruited at the universe, uh, University of Tulsa, like just going there and being able to meet Coach Grizz and ask him questions about this summer packet that that I got sent, you know, mm-hmm. it's huge, huge. Yeah. And he was, he, was, he was real cool about it too. Yeah, so. I think same thing with nutrition too. A lot of the I, – I met a lot of recruits right. when I was at Florida State. Yeah, meet everybody that you would be working with. Why wouldn't you want to meet yeah. everyone so you can get a feel for the entire department? Yeah, right? the entire team. Yeah, because, I mean – from a strength conditioning standpoint, you're probably going to spend more time with them in the off season, right? So that's mm-hmm. like a that's a big shift in in where you're spending most of your time, right? Like not really with your coaches much in the off season, but more yeah. so with the the strength conditioning staff, yeah. uh, sports medicine. You're going to be dealing with the entire All season, the and and so nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be dealing with them throughout the entire year, right? And you should be able to lean on their guidance. So you might as well find out, you know, what they're like, you know, and make your decision, I guess, holistically. Yeah. Versus um, just on what the weight room looks like. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and <laughs> we, we get that your decision is going to be percentage based and more so on the coaching staff uh, right. for the sport. Right, right. right. But anyways, let's, let's, let's shift back to our <laughs> weight room efficiency yeah. standpoint. So weight room remodeling. Right. So, um, so my first year at the D2 level, um, really small weight room. I mean, super tiny really weird space it was like a fishbowl it was like being uh you've been to the zoo or you've been to like the reptile section where they're like behind glass yeah. right yeah that's basically kind of what it was set up like like it had these walls but had this little uh glass set up it didn't go all the way to the ceiling though the ceilings so just like partitions yeah yeah pretty much that that surrounded so like the weight room had side walls right that went that connected to the top mm-hmm. uh it was an old basketball gym that they kind of redid but uh but there was a walkway in front 
there, the partition didn't go all the way over. So you could like throw something over and then go into this little walkway. Anyways, um, so my, my first thing was to just reorganize and get everything set up, right? You want it to be efficient. You want it to be safe. You, um, you know, you just want to make good use of your money, good use of your space. And like I said, with philosophy, if your philosophy doesn't align with some of these pieces of equipment that you have there, I mean, if you're going to be there a while, if you can save money or make things better for yourself, or for your athletes based on uh, what you're going to program, then get rid of it, right? Like, so there were like some, there was an old lap pull down machine that was broken. It was just sitting in the mm-hmm. weight room for what? Get it out of there, right? So we got it out. The no, I want to, <laughs> I want to, yeah, I want to talk about these two leg presses they were there because I'd never seen this in my life until I got there, right? So uh these two giant pieces of equipment so they were really old leg press machines Mm -hmm. and they had weights on them already okay but the weight pegs that the weights went on were square and obviously you know the the middle of of plates are circles right so like when did they invent square hole uh weights where are these you know i've never seen these in my life i've seen some pretty old weight plates um but so anyways, there are plenty of 45s just stuck on these machines. So I had to get a crowbar from facilities and pry these dudes off. Who who decided right. to put them on there in the first place? Well, why would you purchase that piece of equipment that if it's too, got square pegs? Anyways, <laughs> well, I was a first strength coach there, so they didn't have anyone. So uh, somebody that didn't know. Yeah, so like they, they weren't educated enough to like know that this was probably not a good decision. Yeah. Anyways, so um, just quickly that every year that I was in a weight room, um, and I would say even before I was full-time, like I volunteered at high school level, and I, I reorganized that high school weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an auxiliary weight room, which was really rare for some high schools to have. It was an auxiliary basketball weight room, only had like five racks, and it was just, uh, it was interesting. It was very like bare bones type yeah. stuff, but you need to make it a functional space for everyone. Anyways, right. so... Um, you got to make it um, the best that you can. And, and really what you want to start off doing uh, is first, like obviously have your philosophy in, in point, right? Um, and um, just let that kind of guide what your vision would be for this mm-hmm. weight room. So you want to take some inventory, okay, first of all. How many athletes do you have? Like how many athletes are going to experience that weight room at one time? So at this D2 school that I'm talking about, right? Sometimes we would have men's lacrosse in there, 60 plus guys in this space. And it was a tiny space. Let me tell you, if I knew the square footage, I wish I could tell you. I, I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was exactly, but it was fairly small. Was small. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had to fit 60 people in there. Well, obviously I needed more space. So good thing I got rid of a lot of stuff. Right. Um, hopefully your weight room has a level floor. Ours didn't. We had the, in this back area, we could, Yikes. we could put a dumbbell down and it would roll. It was like the back area had this pole that I think that was inserted later in, yeah. into the, and like after the, the building. Yeah. And it kind of caved the ground in a little bit. So Yikes. it was very interesting, very slick floor too. They didn't update that. But anyways, also the space that you have within the weight room, but also outside, you want to be able to utilize that stuff mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, if you're fortunate enough to have like field space right outside your weight room, that's great. Yeah. Or, or maybe just some. Uh, not if, if even if it's not your game field or practice field, if you've get, just got some space where you could throw some med balls or like slam some mm-hmm. med balls, or you could like uh, do some jumping out there if the ground is is safe enough to do so, that that's great to have as well. Uh, what type of equipment you have, how much of that equipment you have, 
uh, again, with philosophy, like what are the goals for some of the lifting sessions that you might experience based on sports you have? Um, And then like, um, what's the lifting technique uh, look like? What's the movement literacy of your athletes and and how proficient are they? Like what's their training age? Things like that. Mm -hmm. So you want to take inventory of all those things when you're thinking about reorganizing or organizing for the first time, like building, creating one, right? right? Yeah, because that'll give you an idea of if, you know, you don't have specific equipment, if you need to purchase something or if you can Mm -hmm. be creative and maybe, you know, use something else for whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah, Let me me make this note here. Okay, my pencil's not really working. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, so I'm gonna I make... love those pencils, you know, in like high school or whatever when you were taking a test and every single time you did that and it and then it broke and you were like, great, now I don't have a pencil. Yeah, I'm going to make a note here. Uh, I'm going to give a bare minimum example later. So I want to just make sure that I can also just list off bare minimum equipment that I feel like you would need. Yeah. Um, anyways, okay, back to, to our conversation here. So you got your inventory, right? Um. Yeah. Let's talk about the organization. Well, I was going to, yeah, well, I was going (laughs) to, I was going to say maybe you wanted to throw in things to consider at that point from a nutritional standpoint, like post or pre or post workout that you might want to take into uh, consideration while you're building this inventory of your weight room. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might as well talk about it. Yeah, I guess it would be similar. So, um, in this whole idea of designing a weight room, It makes the most sense to add some sort of fueling station, fueling table, fueling basket, whatever you want to call it, whatever you have the budget for and is available. Um, Basket, bucket. But whatever. Tray. Yeah. Cart. Cooler. (laughs) You name it. I'll help you build it. Um, So I think that's important because, again, when you look at what some of these high-level elite uh, collegiate and professional teams are doing – they have some sort of fueling station, some sort of nutrition in their weight room or close to the weight room. So again, I'll use Florida State as an example. In our main weight room, we had a fueling <laughs> station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the smaller, um, the other weight room, we had a fridge. So they still had something available. Okay, okay. L- let me say this first, though. They don't just do it because they have the money to. They do it because it's important for their right. athletes, right? Yeah. I, th- I think that's important to kind of put on there. Like, it's not that they just have all this surplus of money and they're like, we might as well do it. No. They're putting that into their budget because it's important for the development of those athletes. Right. And a lot of times it, it comes from the, maybe it comes from the nutrition budget or if it's in a specific facility, maybe it comes from that sports budget. Mm-hmm. So if you have a separate basketball facility or a separate football facility, that's typically going to come from that budget. Right. But if it's, you know, in the main weight room with everybody, it, it'll probably come from the nutrition budget. Right. Now, let me ask you this question because you said fueling station. Okay. So when I think fueling station, what I've seen is like at the University of Tulsa, when Mm -hmm. I was an athlete there, we had this little corner of the weight room right next to the door where you came in. Mm -hmm. And it was like this, uh, like almost like this little bar area where it had like uh, this big uh, countertop and Mm -hmm. Stuff underneath, fridges right behind there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, all right, there we go. So kind of like a snack bar, I guess you could say. And again, depending on where you are, maybe there are shelves, maybe there's storage behind. Mm. So, you know, we can keep like protein shakes and bars and all that stuff. Um, 
it's going to look different everywhere and depending on right, right, right. what dietitian is there and how they design it, what's best for them um, or coach or whatever. Um, so I think it's important, I guess, when you're taking inventory, how many athletes, what your budget is, um, maybe what times you have help or volunteers. Um, so maybe that will help kind of determine how big it needs to be and what like what capacity you can provide these things in. So if you don't necessarily have the budget to provide a ton of resources, you probably don't need a huge fueling station bar right. because you're just going to have this vacant countertop with a couple of sandwiches on it and it's going to look really Again, it's dumb a, it's a and it's a money. waste of money. Yeah. Um, so taking all those things into account, um, what your goals are with it. I mean, I think the goals are the same, but um, I think the budget and the amount of athletes and who's going to be staffing it or manning it are the most important. Yeah. Well, do you think it's important for, to know like um, energy system of the sport or you think that's not important no. post-workout? Um, no, I think post-workout – um, it would be best to just have a variety of options and depending on the sport to educate them on maybe what proportion of those things or of macronutrients they need. So having like more carb heavy options available, having more protein heavy options available. Um, maybe if you need to have like more allergy friendly things available, having that, did I read your mind? That's what I just wrote down. I wanted to ask about like, Oh, I don't know. You can give this later on if oh, you yeah, want. Like Gluten-free or, you can talk or about... lactose intolerance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like a lot of the ready to like muscle milk that's lactose free. So having like a, a gluten-free, lactose-free protein option mm -hmm. and then maybe having like um carb option that's gluten-free, one that's not gluten-free. And then so fruit would be an easy option because anybody can eat that yeah, um, and yeah, it's pretty yeah, yeah. cheap. So, yeah, you can take those into account, but I think it'd be better to just have things available and then use the education as an opportunity to give individual athletes an idea of what they should be doing um, in terms of how much of each thing or, or what a post-workout or pre-workout snack for them would look like based on their sport and what they're doing in the weight room. I can't read your notes anyway because you use weird symbols and acronyms and I don't know what they mean. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think having information for athletes from a nutritional standpoint is fantastic. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, please feel free to reach out to, to Claire if you have questions about that. Um, yeah. C-I-G-O-E at acesnation.org. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'd love to work with you on that for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. I just wanted you to put in the Thanks. nutritional standpoint because you should take inventory of what you might need mm -hmm. for this. Weight yeah. And it makes, makes sense when you're building out the whole weight room, because if that's something that's important to your facility and your organization, then that needs to be taken account when yeah. you're building it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Let's move to organization here. Um, from, uh, my standpoint, strength conditioning. Uh, I think once you get, the all the equipment that you have obviously you got to put it in an area that makes sense okay mm -hmm. i mentioned functional space i think it's great you need to have that as much as possible like you don't want your racks your uh, you know i don't know if you've got like half racks or double racks mm -hmm. hopefully people know what i'm talking about when i say that you know so you're like i think some people call them cages i don't know why mm -hmm. but like it's it's the weight room 
big stands that yeah. the bars go on, right? And you do squats off of and stuff like that. So that's what I'm going to mean when I say racks, okay? Yeah. Single racks means there's only one station that you could get the bar out of. Double mm -hmm. racks means they're like back-to-back -back and like mm -hmm. people could be squatting, let's say, and facing each other through the, the racks. The racks, okay. yeah. Anyways. I understand what you're saying. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> so just to make sure I'm clear. But um, so you're going to want to not have them just sticking out in the space, right? Like typically I would say if you've got single racks, put them up against the wall, okay? Yeah. If you've got double you should maybe put them in the middle. It depends on how your room is set up and like what the actual space is. And but there is definitely there are definitely guidelines for how much space you should have in between racks. Um, so you need to make sure that you've got that information. Um, mm -hmm. Like obviously the barbell is going to stick out a little bit farther than the rack, but mm -hmm. you need to have I believe it's three feet in between each rack. Yeah, because you need space to change weights and yeah, whatnot. You, you need space to change weights and no one get hit with a bar if you're doing some type of movement like that okay yeah um that's good yeah so you need to have space in between the racks uh if you're going uh if they're going side by side um so i think i think it's at least three feet anyways okay. we'll go with that yeah we're gonna go with that um then really uh, i think it's important to have your order of operations going on like where your warm-ups are going to take place i don't know if it's kind of like a when I was working at D2 Space, it was kind of like a factory um, where I was the only person, 20 plus teams. So it was pretty much one right after the other for most yeah. of the day. So you had to know where everything was going to happen, right? And you had people in their little pre-lift pre area, like maybe foam rolling um, or whatever. And then you've, then boom, you're in the weight room and here we go. We're, we're starting off. So warm up area, um, you're going to have to know what your first... Um, exercise is going to be um, really the order of operations of your lift should go warm up and activation, some type of dynamic effort, uh, whether that's speed or power, uh, then your strength movement, then accessory or hypertrophy stuff, any conditioning, endurance after that, if you're going to do it, and then potentially a cool down if you have time for it, or if, if that's something you want to program into there. Um, but when you have taken your inventory for athletes, you know how many are going to be in there. You need to decide how many athletes are going to be at each uh, rack or mm -hmm. at each station, right? And how the flow of the session is going to be. Because maybe not everyone could be at the rack. Maybe you don't have enough time for multiple people to just be at the rack waiting, right? Maybe you need to have supersets with stuff. Maybe you need to have different stations so people are getting it, right? Your situation, uh, okay, there's a by the way book, uh, sorry, by the book way, gosh, <laughs> yeah. By the way. <laughs> yeah, book, yeah. Uh, there's a by the book way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's also like, this is my uh, reality, like yeah. this is how I have to practically do it, right? So it doesn't mean just because you don't do it by the book is wrong. It's just saying that the book has the, uh, researched way and the best way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you can always do it that way. And I, I've experienced that. And I know a lot of coaches have experienced that. Um, more, more specifically through COVID, that was yeah. the, you're never going to be able to do it by the book type of thing. Right? right, right. So you have to be flexible and you have to right. think on your feet. So if you have to have people doing other dumbbell stations while they're doing their main strength lift or if they have to do an accessory before they come back and do their strength lift because 
you don't have the equipment, you don't have the time, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's kind of, uh, this is like your best scenario. That's okay to do that. But just to understand like the order of operations, like this is typically how best practice it should be run. Uh, again, I'll run through that quickly. Warm up and activation, then your dynamic or speed or power exercises, then your strength exercises, then your accessory or hypertrophy exercises, then any conditioning or endurance, if you're going to do that. And I mean endurance from either a, a cardiovascular standpoint or a muscular endurance standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, and then lastly, cool downs if you have time for that or, um, yeah, if you're going to program that. So, um, so you just want to make sure that the weight room flow actually makes sense too, especially if it's a factory thing where you've got one group coming in after the other, if you've got a really, uh, big time crunch and maybe some overlap in teams, you're going to make sure that your barbell work at the racks, which is probably going to be your top half of the lift type of exercises mm -hmm. that you can get those done and then transition to dumbbells. So the next team can come in, get on the, the racks or warm up and then get on the racks. Right. And then you can kind of work this that. like merry-go-round. Right, kind of right, right. Effect. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of have this big flow of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but one of the things uh, post-lift that, that Claire mentioned as well um, is about where you're putting this um, mm -hmm. post-workout nutrition station yeah. or item, whatever. Yeah. Well, I think um, pre or post-workout, I think it just needs yeah. to be by the door yeah. or by the exit entrance slash exit because mm – -hmm if it's all the way in the back or it's out of the way or it's just not in their line of sight, typically I would say most of these athletes are laser focused. So if we're in the weight room and we're doing our workout, we're in the weight room and we're doing our workout and then got to go to class, got to go to tutoring, got to go to this, got to go home. So it's not, their brains are not going to perceive, oh, I have to go do this after too. It's Mm, 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 mm. And if it's not in a routine, then it's not going to happen. And if it's by the door, if there's somebody there, great, they can kind of remind them. But it's if it's by the door, they're more likely to see it on their way out. And that's going to cue them and remind them, oh, I need to do this or I need to grab something or mm -hmm. I need to eat something um, because they've already been taught why it's important. So going back to what I mentioned before, if it's a station, a fueling bar, um, countertop, if you could put it by the door, great, or like right by the entrance, that would be great. If it's a cooler or some like a table or a fridge, that's probably even easier to put by the door because it's smaller. Right. Um, you might not have to change like the composition of anything. So if you just put like a table or a cooler or a fridge, um, whatever, you can just have those things in there, have protein shakes, maybe peanut butter and jellies like we talked about, fruit, um, granola bars, whatever it might be. Just have that in there. Maybe put a sign on it of like, you know, don't forget your post-workout or don't forget your nutrition. And I think kids are a lot more likely to participate in that if it's kind of shoved in their face. Right, right. I mean, I um, agree. Yeah. If it's like on the way out, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I need to do this. Right. Or I need to get one of these before. Yeah. And there still might be times where, where it's not. I know we were talking about one earlier where they see it and they make the conscious decision to just not do it, <laughs> yeah. which is fine. They're only hurting themselves. But, right. um, you know, for the most part, I think that's going to be the best way to do that. Um, if you can draw some attention to it, that would be great, too. So, like, if you can get a fridge and maybe put a logo on it or put, you know, have them help put like magnets or stickers or something on it. Have them kind of feel like, oh, I contributed to 
this element in the weight room, um, that might help too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, we had ours at the D2 school that I keep referencing. We had ours like on the way out mm-hmm. of one of the doors. We had two different doors that went in different directions. But yeah. the the fridge was right outside of my office at the time. And, and we had this little lock for it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Yeah, we had that too. Yes. So people wouldn't steal. Right, right. So what I was going to say is kids would like, we would give athletes, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. shakes when they left and stuff. But yeah. But the building where I was, where I was, right? Like it wasn't fob system and it wasn't really... It was key, like we had keys to the building, but it was yeah. unlocked, right? For the day. For, yeah. Right? And, and yeah. Honest, honestly, anybody could go in there. But like, honestly, on the weekends, the sometimes the door didn't always close. And oh. so it, you could open it up. I remember this one time, um, it's like a basketball tournament or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it wasn't even our tournament. It was like a high school was having a camp or something there, right? Okay. And I I came into the weight room one day because I had gone up there. Um, I don't remember why. I had gone up on a Saturday, I think, to either run a test there or to just uh, do some work. But mm-hmm. I went in and the fridge, which was on wheels, was like way away from the wall and like turned. <laughs> and some of the shakes were like knocked over. And someone literally was trying to get into the fridge <laughs> because they were like a parent or a player or something. Yeah. And they came in and, you know, our, our, our fridge was lit up and it had all the shakes like lined up, you know, yeah. and stuff. And they tried to get into it, but they couldn't. <laughs> but I well, mean, that's terrifying. Uh, unfortunate for them, we didn't have any more of the Gatorade uh, protein bars on the bottom, which mm-hmm. the bottom couldn't the be locked. Open. Right? It couldn't be locked. It, it was closed, right? But right. we used to have like Gatorade, uh, Gatorade protein bars down there. And uh, unfortunately, Darn. We, didn't, we didn't have any more for them at uh, that point. But uh, karma, yeah, they tried to get in. Uh, so Dang. that's just really funny. Yeah, that is funny. We we did not have that problem. We were locked. No, locked you guys. Loaded. Yeah, you you locked the doors and all that stuff. Did, yeah. Did you have fobs or it any special? It was a key, It entry? was a code. Um, was it OmniLock? It might have been. Oh, okay. Yeah, we I use that. CSUN, but uh. Yeah, but it was that, and then even I, when I was in, I guess I was in undergrad. I think I volunteered at University of Maryland, and it was similar. Yeah. Everything was locked all the time. Oh, good terms. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, I I think that that would just be ideal again if we're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to post on social media later um, through Aces Nation. Tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow, <laughs> which is later, okay, just for everyone out there. Just to be a little more specific. Yeah, well, so we'll make a post. We'll put one out there of mm-hmm. me giving an example of how to organize a weight room, right? Yeah. So um, I've asked our team to give me some prompts so I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. And yeah. like, because for me, it could be just a ton of different directions. So right. our team has given me some prompts. So uh, I'm going to post or this, uh, we're going to post uh, as an organization about this, right? And yes. I'm going to be talking about weight room organization and give you just a spe- specific example of this is what the space is. This is what our equipment is. This is how I would organize it, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of talk through it a little bit. But yeah, uh, right now we're going to give you a bare minimum example. So like the bottom line of like really basic example of some things. I'm going to talk about uh, programming strength conditioning wise if you don't have that much time because I know time and space is a factor in your weight room efficiency. Um, and, and I know that for some situations, you either don't have a lot of time or you don't want to spend a lot of time like after practice or after the end of the school day uh, or something like that. So, um, and then Claire's going to give us some um, basic um, examples of things you can have in your, um, 
nutrition station sure. cart bucket <laughs> basket. <laughs> yeah, Anyways, we'll go with that. Okay, so uh, first, let me say basic equipment that I think you need in a weight room. Um, well, I think you can have either dumbbells or barbells. It really kind of depends on what what your team is, right, and, mm -hmm. and who your athletes are. If you're like a middle school, I think you can get away with just having dumbbells. Probably. If you have some empty barbells, that's probably great for technique work, mm -hmm. which I don't know if you need a ton of weight for those athletes as well. If you're a high school that has football, I would suggest you have a rack that that has, you know, a lot of weight and, and barbells, right? Mm -hmm. It has a decent amount of weight so that as your athletes progress and specifically some of your stronger athletes, they, they can have the opportunity to still progress throughout the time they're there. So if you are a um, non-football sport, I think you can get away with just having dumbbells. I think that those dumbbells need to go up to about, I don't know, I would say probably about 60 pounds, mat, uh, like minimum, like your heaviest weight, mm -hmm. which I know a lot of dumbbell racks don't go up to 60 pounds. They usually go up to like 50 or 55, right? So Ew. yeah, you could probably get away with that stuff. It just, you'd have to kind of be smart about how you're programming, but mm -hmm. I don't know if, I don't know if you have the experience to do that, but so um, I would say have barbell and dumbbells. They're really good to have, right? Especially if you're dealing with more teams that are coming into the weight room. So yeah. have a rack, have a barbell with weights, have some dumbbells. Um, I think bands are always a good option to have. Um, if you can't have physio balls, um, really cheap option to have like not really a substitute, but kind of is to have some of those, uh, really cheap, um, furniture movers either for carpet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or for hard surfaces. Yeah. Um, and obviously by, I mean, those things are pretty cheap um, at like a, uh, a Home Depot or a Lowe's or something like that, yeah. or even at Walmart. Who am I kidding? Um, one thing I definitely think is important to have are clips on yeah. the end to keep mm -hmm. the weight secure because you do not want to have one of those experiences happen in your weight room. Um, gosh, other than that, space. You need space. Mm -hmm. Have space. Just outside of those things, Benches, obviously, I mean, I think a bench could be utilized for more than just bench press. So it's good to have that. It's good, better to have one that can incline. You can change the adjustment there. But if you just have flat bench, that's fine too. Uh, but those are what I'd say are the basic things that I think you should have. If you can have med balls, great. But you don't necessarily need them, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, okay, bare minimum exercise thing here. If you have less than 30 minutes, let's say you have like 15 to 20 minutes, right? And let's say it's going to be post-practice. Um, you need to do a lower body push, which would be like a squat or mm -hmm. a lunge, uh, an upper body pull, which is going to be like a row or a chin up, um, a lower body pull, which is probably going to be a hinge, like a RDL. Maybe it's a deadlift. Maybe it's a Nordic hamstring. Maybe it's a leg curl something like that, I would probably lean more towards a RDL or a deadlift just because of like overall effect and an upper body push, maybe a push up, maybe a bench press, maybe overhead press, um, anything like that. And then if you got time, I would throw in some type of core, probably mm -hmm. like a anti-rotation or a bracing thing, maybe a plank, maybe it's like, honestly, like a carry would be great. Um, mm -hmm. like a single arm carry or something like that. And then any mobility, you could probably superset with that. Probably a T-spine rotation would be the most effective for like every sport. 
but also some hip mobility would also be very beneficial for your mm -hmm. athletes as well. Yeah. Um, so if I had to pick exercises to go along with these, I would definitely say, man, if this is my <laughs> choice, okay, my choice doesn't mean you have to do this. This is a tough decision. Right you got here. it. Um, Be decisive. Gosh. Yeah, I would say uh, back squat for sure. Uh, I would say chin-ups. I would say um, RDL. And then I would say... I'd probably go... I'd probably just go with bench press because it's pretty, pretty simple. Um, mm -hmm. And I've already got an overhead component with the chin-up. Yeah, that would be mine. But also nice. in that also in that program, I definitely sprint a lot too because I want my hamstrings to be healthy overall. Um, so some high-speed sprinting, that would be great overall, and it would give me some unilateral strength as well. So anyways, yeah, those were what I would pick uh, if <laughs> I nice. had like 15 to 20 minutes to just do like four exercises, maybe a couple of like maybe a core and a mobility thing afterwards. So mm -hmm. anyways, Claire, what about nice. your bare minimums? Bare minimums um, for – a fueling station would be a source of protein, fluid, and a source of carbohydrates. Nice. Okay. Just for the people out there, I mean, it's becoming more of a trend. Peanut butter is not protein. And peanut butter is not. It has protein, but, but it also has equal, right? Yeah, equal amounts of Equal or more amounts yeah. of fat. Yeah. So I think peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are great. Uh, but more so if you have a little bit of peanut butter, maybe a pre-workout snack or just a snack. Yeah. yeah not yeah, yeah. not a post-workout snack if that's all you're eating. Mm -hmm. If you do like half a peanut butter or peanut butter and jelly with a protein shake, great. That's fine. Um, so in terms of that, like if you wanted to do like chocolate milk or a protein shake, that would kind of um, take care of the protein and fluid. Obviously, you still want to drink water. Right, um, right. But, I mean, you're talking chocolate milk being – if you're not lactose intolerant, probably like best bang for great. your buck yeah. drink right there. Yes. Protein and electrolytes. And carbs. Yeah. Ooh, there let's you go. go. <laughs> chocolate milk's great. It's very underrated, I think, as a post-workout um, snack. Um, but if you just did protein shakes or protein bars, then your source of carbs, again, could be fruit. So bananas – Apples, dried fruit, you mm -hmm. can do that. Um, or granola bars. Those are pretty easy too. You can go to Costco, Sam's Club, whatever, and get a bunch of those like chewy knockoff granola bars. Right, right. Uh, see, but here's the thing, Claire. I don't know if I would double bar it though, right? Double. You don't have to double bar it. Yeah, yeah, okay. If you did that, then I would say bar and banana or piece of fruit. Yeah, so yeah, So you yeah. get a little bit yeah, of like go, fiber and maybe some fluid too. Yeah. If you go protein bar, don't, don't, to go with the don't granola double bar. bar it. Yeah, don't double bar it, right? That's like, just Zach's opinion. <laughs> that's my opinion. I just I can't imagine eating a protein bar and then be like, yeah, I also am gonna eat this granola bar. Unless it was like I'm a really high metabolic like burner, just right? Like, yeah, well, maybe you were just in the weight room for an hour and a half doing more than the bare minimum. Yeah, maybe you were, <laughs> right? But like, I don't know. I think the protein bar and yeah. fruit thing for me, like it would just make sense. Okay, good. I'm <laughs> glad we have that figured out for you. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. the bare minimum. Obviously, again, when you when you go to some of these more elite level, high established places with a nutrition department, you see like a fully stocked bar with ready to ready made smoothies, um, protein shake smoothies. 
that have fruit and milk and or soy milk or whatever in them. So they kind of have that ratio there. Um, maybe they have a bunch of other snacks, fruit stuff. So all of that's available and there's a lot of variety. So depending on your budget, I would still say those three things are important, but just depending on how much money you have will determine the variety and the quantity of those things. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that, that was our conversation today. Hopefully you found some, some good pieces to take with you yeah. um, as you're either reorganizing or, or building your weight room. Also, if you're thinking about ideas of how to incorporate nutrition inside of your um, exercise culture that you have, maybe mm -hmm. at your school or your club. So uh, those are some, some ideas for you to kind of, uh, you know, take with you and, and run with it as, yeah. as it fits your situation. Yeah. So Go remodel uh, your weight room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Feel free to reach out to us with any, any questions that you mm -hmm. have either through social media, through um, email, go to the website, you know, check us out. Yeah. Make sure you uh, like, subscribe. Comment. This, yeah. Share. All, all, all of those <laughs> things to this podcast. I mean, we really enjoy bringing this content to you. Um, and man, we really to keep having the type of interactions that we've had with listeners so far. So, um, let's, let's keep that going there. So yeah. Anyways. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch That's you on. It. Yeah. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya. <laughs>